Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10th Second Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Woodward. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for this entire journey that we've been on together to learn more about the Quinnipiac men's hockey team. Last episode, we talked with Dana White about nutrition. On today's episode, we're going to talk with Derek Shadig. Derek wrote an article while he was at Harvard called Down But Not Out. He was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder, commonly referred to as depression. The article is fantastic, and this is a real example of what some athletes go through with mental health. All right, it's my pleasure to introduce to the 10th Second Podcast, Derek Shadig. Derek, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. So the backstory to uh, to Derek is he is a uh, hockey player. Do you still play hockey? Uh, just for fun now. Just but, for fun. Uh, yeah, I was, I was a goalie. Yeah, so, well, you were more than a goalie. You were a goalie at a... Uh, at a premier institution in uh, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, um, and so uh, for those of you who are listeners who don't know, Derek was a, uh, a goalie at Harvard. Uh, started I think in 2019. Do I have that right? Yeah. So uh, started at the uh, at the Harvard University at that point in time. And uh, a little bit of your backstory, Derek. You played a lot of hockey as a youth. Is that correct? You want to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So I started playing hockey pretty much as soon as I could walk. My brother played hockey growing up, and he's a lot older than me. He's nine years older. And he would have his buddies over, and and he would say, you know, no one wants to be in that, so we're sticking you in there. And I was pumped about it because I got to hang out with my brother. So that's how I first put the pads on, and I uh, just kind of loved it ever since then. And I uh, grew up playing youth hockey. I'm from Michigan, so grew up in a small town called Chelsea right outside of Ann Arbor. And I played high school hockey there. And I went off to play juniors in um, the NAHL for the Janesville Jets. And then uh, the next year in the USHL for the Chicago Steel and the Lincoln Stars. And then I went off to play at Harvard for four years. And let's be honest. If, if your brother tells a story, it was, I got my little brother being net and we could shoot pucks on him. Is that pretty much? <laughs> yeah, he tells a little differently than I do. That's for sure. But uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, so getting into Harvard is quite the accomplishment. Um, and so, talk to, uh, and Harvard obviously is in the ECAC, which is what Quinnipiac plays in. So, tell me a little bit about that process in terms of how you get in, and then also uh, how you get connected hockey-wise to Harvard. Yeah, sure. Um, so going into juniors, I knew that I wanted to go to a school that had the best possible combination of hockey and athletics and academics that I could get. So um, Harvard was obviously always in one of my one of my top choices. And, you know, it was kind of just a, a dream. I didn't know if it could happen. But um, in my first year of, of juniors, I started to talk to them a little bit. And then I actually got pulled up to play. I was in the second highest league in the NHL in the U.S., I got pulled up to the USHL for a couple of weeks and I played there. Um, and then Harvard took a little more interest in me and um, they ended up offering me a, a commitment, which is pretty great, but it still doesn't really mean you're in the school yet. Uh, you know, you still kind of got to make sure your grades are up and you're doing all the right things and all that. So it's a pretty intense process. It, uh, I think there was one or two virtual interviews I had to do on top of sending in a bunch of essay questions and all your um, scores on everything, your GPA and all that. And then there was an in-person interview process. Uh, we had to go, uh, my whole class had to go to Boston. They have to do it every year. And um, just kind of go through that. 
And then finally, you're in the school. I actually have a kind of a funny story about um, when I found out I got in. So I played with Casey Dornbach, who was from Minnesota and played with at Harvard and then Lincoln and juniors. And um, he committed to Harvard when he was in Lincoln, but he committed a little later than I did. So I got my letter of acceptance from Harvard, which obviously was a really big moment for me. I was really excited. So I called him and I was like, dude, check your email. I just found out I got into Harvard. Like, this is so cool. And he didn't get an email. And I was, and I, I knew it was because he committed later than me, but I was messing with him. I was like, oh, dude, I don't think you got in. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, he didn't appreciate that as much as I did, but uh, <laughs> it was pretty fine. Oh, that's awesome. And so the transition to Harvard, and one of the reasons why we're talking to Derek today is Derek has written an article article called Down But Not Out. Now, it's a couple of years old from when you were, when you were experienced here, but for those individuals who have athletes who are who have who have potentially have some mental health issues um, it's really a fantastic read and very honest I think Derek about what you were experiencing at the time so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah of course so my story uh, that's in the article actually starts um, a few years before I started to struggle with my own mental health um, like I said I grew up in Michigan a pretty small town just around uh, 5,000 people. And the high school has like 800, 900 kids maybe. And in a span of three years, we lost three students to suicide. And one of them was a member of the ice hockey team. So I just remember being so impacted by that, but also I, I couldn't really understand it. Um, I didn't have a lot of education around mental health at the time. It wasn't something that was talked about in my school or in my hockey team or with my parents or family or anything like that. So I just remember not being able to really understand how someone could be hurting that much and um, ultimately come to that decision. So it was just a really, really hard thing for me to try to get my head around. And I remember naively thinking at the time that, you know, I, I can't struggle with my mental health. You know, I'm positive, right? Like you said, everything on paper looks like it's so great. Um, I have a great family support system. You know, I'm eating the right way. I'm sleeping well, all these things. Um, you know, that can't happen to me. And it ended up being that I was wrong. And when I got to Harvard, you know, it's a really, really unique and uh, super amazing place. You know, everyone there is so passionate and talented at whatever it is that they do in whatever realm they're in, uh, especially in hockey as well. But it can also be a really tough spot to be. You know, it's a it's a very competitive place, um, which is a big part of my story. You know, as um, as Keith mentioned, um, I had one instance where it was kind of like kind of a low for me that I got uh, a failing grade on an exam and I've never failed a test in my life. Like that was a totally new experience for me. And I just felt like in every area of my life, like I was failing, like I would go to the rink and I'd work really hard for, you know, six hours a day or whatever it may be. And then, you know, I wasn't playing. And then I would go to the classroom and all these kids are so, so much smarter all of a sudden. And, you know, I'm competing there. And all of a sudden, you know, for in that example, I get a failing grade. So so it was just a lot of stress and a lot of things going on. Um, and I also had risk factors that, um, you know, put me at risk for developing a mental illness, which I didn't know that I had these risk factors. So I had um, hip pain that was going on at the time. Maybe some of the listeners are familiar with the surgery that some goalies get for the hip struggles that they can go through at times. So I had to um, get that surgery, which is a nine month to a year recovery. So it's a pretty intense one. And yeah, and then I had the, the Harvard stretches that was going on and and just everything kind of felt like it was coming on at once. And eventually it led to me having to go to the hospital for my mental health. 
and which then led me to take a year off of both hockey and school to be able to work on my mental health and get back to a healthy spot. So the article that I wrote was just to kind of get some awareness around it. You know, it, it was something that wasn't talked about as much as I thought it could have been on campus. Like I said, everyone at Harvard kind of has this, you know, they have everything, their ducks in a row, right? So to kind of admit that you're struggling with something is hard to do for, for a lot of people there. So I just wanted to get it out there. And, um, and thankfully, it spread around the hockey community and others too. So hopefully it helps some people. So who was the first player or first person that you talked to uh, about it when you were first noticing that things were just a little bit different? It was definitely uh, Casey Dornbach, who's the player from um, Lincoln, who I play with at Harvard, who is a really close friend of mine. But, you know, honestly, again, like I said, it's uh, it's something that can be really hard for people to talk about. Um, and I, I didn't want to admit to my teammates when I was trying to compete for that starting job of the that, you know, I was struggling with something, which you know, playing a goalie is um, such a mentally uh, difficult position. You know, there's a lot of effort that goes into that side of the game. So to say that, you know, I'm struggling with my mental health is can be hard for teammates to hear or coaches to hear sometimes. So um, so I definitely kept it under wraps. And then I have a really um, cool moment of when I finally uh, came out and, like, told them everything that was going on. I uh, um, They knew that something was going on, but, you know, you just never really know exactly what's going on with someone. So um, I just I felt that I really wanted to tell them exactly what was going on. And I told them um, at a restaurant one one evening, we had like these monthly uh, hangouts with the with some of the boys. I went to the restaurant and I talked to um, one of my friends, Jack Drury, about it on the team. And I just said, you know, I have this idea. I want to talk to um, the guys about this. I think I see other people on the team struggling with it. So I want to get it out there and I want to do it at this dinner. So it's this uh it's this restaurant that's not there on campus anymore at harvard but it's like pretty wild there's uh there's like servers flying all over the place and it's kind of loud and um it's a really cool spot but maybe not an ideal spot to have conversations about deep stuff like mental health um but i i uh i told them that you know i ended up being diagnosed with major depressive disorder and later i was diagnosed um with a different mental illness uh called bipolar 2 disorder and I told them that, um, that that's what was going on. And that was part of the reason that, you know, I hadn't been as, as active as a team member and as good of a teammate as I wanted to be. And then one of my teammates went to the bathroom like a couple of minutes before and he came, sat down and said, wait, what are we talking about? And we were just like, we'll, we'll update you later, man. So it was pretty funny. And then uh, I ended up telling my whole team everything um, when I was releasing the article, just so they knew before other people knew. And uh, I told them in the locker room, I just stood up in front of all the boys and kind of told them that I was going to write this thing and this is what's going on. Um, and it was really important to me. And I'll never forget, they uh, it was like the loudest uh, clapping I've ever heard. Like they erupted um, in uh, support. So that was a really cool um, way to kind of be received in that way. And uh, we'll transition away from, from this in just a second. But I know you had a, a pretty low moment uh, when you called your parents. And that was probably before you started to tell the team? Yeah, for sure. So so that moment that is kind of highlighted in my article is definitely one of the lowest points that I came to. In that moment, I remember I was in my dorm room. This was after season had ended. So, um, you know, they, they we weren't skating as much. You know, we still had lifts and everything. But, but I didn't really have that thing that was kind of pulling me out of bed to get to the rink every day. You know, I'd skipped class for a few days in a row. I wasn't eating well, I wasn't sleeping well all of a sudden, and I had just been struggling with this stuff for so long that, and not telling anyone about it, that I just knew that 
I had to get away. Like I couldn't stand being in my room alone anymore. I couldn't understand everything that was going on. So I got out of my room at like midnight out of my dorm room and didn't really have a plan of where I was going to go or what I was going to do. I just started running and I ran down uh, the Charles river and ended up on this bench. And when I was on this bench, I just kind of let it all out. You know, I just, I started crying and I just was like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. And I called my parents who had some inkling of what was going on. You know, they had reached out, said they were concerned that I wasn't calling as much and things like that. But, you know, I really let them in in that moment. I said, you know, I need help. Like I, I'll, 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 I'll go get help. You know, I was resistant to do that before because again, I thought I could do it on my own, but, but I really did need that support system through my parents. And they had me call the suicide hotline number to get me in a more stable situation. And then eventually I got help. So, so that was before I, I told my teammates and it was a, it was a long road since then, you know, um, the healing process isn't always linear. So it took, you know, months after that, that, um, I finally gotten to see a therapist and then, you know, years and years and years of therapy since then. So it's a long road, but, um, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm mentally healthy and in a stable place now. And I work at a, uh, mental health nonprofit that works with athletes. So it's a pretty cool full circle, uh, thing for me. So what was your, if, if all of this hadn't occurred in your life, what is it you wanted to do and, you know, what you originally went to school for? Um, and then I was going to actually transition very nicely uh, into what you currently do in terms of how your experience has impacted, you know, what I'm assuming is your passion in life to do this kind of work. For sure. So um, obviously, you know, I played hockey my whole life. So that was kind of my main focus um, for a long time. Uh, I just kind of wanted to play as long as I could, as long as, you know, they would let me. And then once I had my uh, hip surgery and I kind of wasn't playing as much and I could kind of see that um, that probably wasn't going to be my um, professional career for a long time. uh, I was, you know, like any college first year trying to figure out um, what my major was going to be and things like that. I actually came in thinking I was going to do economics, which is kind of funny now thinking about that. But um, but uh, I remember thinking that I took an intro to psychology course, which my high school, um, I don't think they offered at the time. So I had never taken one before, but I'd always been interested in people. You know, I really like being around others and I'm just curious at why they do what they do. And I thought about a career, you know, I thought that could be a cool way to help someone, especially after I, I've been having my own mental struggles, trying to figure that out, what was going on with me. So I ended up uh, picking psychology and then studied that for the next uh, four years, which worked out great. And yeah, like I said, I work at a mental health nonprofit now. It's based out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, but we do trainings um, all over the place. So I go in with my coworkers and we talk about things that you can look for in others if you think they're struggling with their mental health. And um, so we talk about like physical things you can see, um, you know, whether it's emotional, whatever it is, things that you can notice in someone to be able to see that they're struggling with their mental health. And then we talk about how to have a conversation with them about it. That's kind of where a lot of people get hung up because these can be really hard, difficult conversations to have. So we give coaches and athletes language to be able to talk about it. So specific phrases that they can say, you know, I'm concerned. Here's things that I've noticed, specific things and I want to help, you know, I'm concerned about you. So then we talk about different resources available. So how to challenge stigma and how to help people get to the proper resource, because we understand that not every person is a mental health professional. We don't expect people to have all the answers or know the right thing to say all the time. So, um, but we do know that there's people out there that can help with um, if someone's struggling with their mental health. So 
We talk about those resources available. And then the last thing we do is we talk about mental resiliency. So we want to empower people to have positive coping skills to maintain their own mental health, to recognize things that protect their own mental health and how ultimately we can kind of nip things in the bud and take care of ourselves as individuals before it gets um, more intense down the road and can become harder to treat. So so it, it really is uh, a way that uh, I found my passion. I never thought I was going to, but um, it drives me every day now to try to help others with things that you know I've struggled with and still continue on my journey today. So um, I'm really grateful that I get to do something like that now. You must be a tremendous role model for young student athletes who maybe have a similar experience, maybe not the same experience, but a similar experience or are in their early stages of developing their minds and developing what's going on. And, you know, when I read your story, I was like, wow, like, you know, we've had Devin in here and I'm like, we need somebody to talk about this from a student's perspective. And I'm not sure, you know, with all due respect to our kids that are here now, you know, I'm not sure they're going to get this deep into it, but, um, but your story is one that's, um, I hope resonates and I hope some people will will hear this and and recognize that Derek went through this and Derek understood what the issues were and picked up the phone and started to try and figure it out because that's the that's the pivotal point right like it's it's at that moment when you realize like okay I can't do this by myself I need somebody who knows what to do yeah definitely I think that's the biggest thing that um, that barrier that people kind of um, come against and that I came against was you know, as athletes, especially as goalies, you know, I was taught my whole life, you know, you got to be mentally tough. Um, you're kind of alone on an island out there in the crease, so you got to do it yourself and all that stuff, which is um, has its place for sure. But um, in this kind of setting with uh, with these kind of challenges that's going on in your own brain, where there's chemical imbalances and things that maybe you don't know yet about mental health, um, you really do need that support system. And it took me a long time to learn that, but I'm really grateful that I did for sure. So Quinnipiac, right, has the sports psychologist on staff. Do a lot of schools have that uh, on their staff in terms of uh, someone that the kids can, uh, you know, students can talk to? Yeah, um, I think it kind of varies on the school. I think it's gotten a lot more attention, especially in the last few years. Colleges and even high schools and things like that are kind of looking for, you know, where can we go to support our student athletes? I've even heard a lot of uh, parents when their kids are getting recruited are asking, you know, what support do you have on campus for mental health? Because we know that's a really big concern. So um, we do have um, sports psychologists and um, mental health professionals uh, on Harvard's campus designated just for athletes. That actually started right around the time, I think it was either my sophomore or junior year maybe, um, that they just got two people designated just for athletes before it was kind of for the whole school and you could um, go access them when you needed to. But now they have some that are just for athletes, which is really cool and a big step for sure. What was the moment that you felt supported at a level that you hadn't felt supported before like so right so when you you've got this issue you've you've called your parents you've you're made some phone calls but like when is the is there a moment that you remember remember during this part of your journey that you felt like a little bit more stable than you know you went from stable to unstable back to stable again right i mean i think that's pretty clear in how you've described the scenario so so when is that moment when you got to kind of the back to stable yeah i think the biggest kind of areas of support that i had to get me to that moment was you know my family was always there for me throughout this whole thing me getting diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and kind of uh, traversing that learning more about the illness and, you know, my teammates, the people that I let in were, were always um, very supportive, but 
there's a cool moment that I talk about in the article too that my coach Ted Donato of Harvard he came in the locker room after a, a big win we just had and he talked about this player who I didn't play with but he was there the year before me and he just said you know we had a we had a player here the year before who he had to take a leave of absence for his mental health and we're short a great teammate a great player a great human being this year because of mental health so he just encouraged us to reach out if we need help to take care of ourselves do what we have to do to make sure that we're that we're healthy and happy and for anyone in the boston era maybe you know ted donato but you know he played at around boston area growing up and then played for harvard won a national championship there played pro for a long time in the nhl and now he's coaching at harvard for you know a long time so he's definitely a, a role model for me so for this this guy who's been playing hockey forever this you know this tough guy for him to say it's okay to reach out and get help um, was a big moment for me and kind of a turning point um and after that you know it took uh it took a lot of work you know it, it was i remember the first time my athletic trainer described therapy to me as hard work i was like you know you're just sitting in a room talking like how's that work but um it definitely is for anyone who's been in therapy doing the do, having the hard conversations and working through kind of whatever is going on in your life so um so it took a long time um to kind of um get back to that point and you know, right around the point where, um, you know, I was nearing the end of my leave of absence, uh, COVID kind of hit. So, um, so that was another curveball. But you know, I was I was ready for it. Right, I had the tools. I had developed them in therapy. I knew how to, um, you know, maintain my mental health and um, stay happy and and healthy. So, um, so it took a long time and a lot of people um, to kind of help uh, help me navigate everything. But I'm, uh, you know, just so thankful that. You know, I didn't have to do it on my own. So, and what's and we'll end with what was your favorite moment on the ice as a player? Oh, oh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> we played. Uh, we I don't I don't know if uh, the team did it this past year, uh, but we play at Madison Square Garden against uh, Cornell one year and Yale the next year. So um, when I was there, we played against Cornell. And uh, we ended up winning the game, which uh, was in, you know, when I was in New York. So there was a lot of big red fans there. So that was a pretty cool uh, moment to beat them, uh, to beat them there. So um, so that was pretty cool to play an iconic venue like that um, and just be a part of that was a really special moment. And did you win the ECAC while you were there? Uh, yeah, the last year, last year, yeah. So, um, so that was a pretty cool moment, too. Um, that was... Uh, in Lake Placid, so. Did you um, beat Quinnipiac in overtime? Yeah, I wasn't gonna bring it up. No, but, uh, come on, we're, it's all good. It's all we good. Might as well bring it up now. No, that was a uh, that was a uh, because I think they pulled the goalie. Game. If I'm not mistaken, they pulled the goalie and tied it up, and then you went to overtime, and you guys won in overtime. Yeah, it was a uh, a pretty uh, a pretty intense game. I remember there was uh, a lot of back and forth, and obviously both teams were so skilled uh, that year, and you know a lot of years. So. Um, it was a pretty intense game. I think that uh, I don't. I don't remember that we had a lot of shots, to be honest. So uh, I remember we were going to overtime. And I was like, "Oh man, we got to pull something out here." And thankfully, uh, one of our players came down and uh, put one in for us. But um, but that was really cool to do that in Lake Placid with uh, with my teammates and just get get to be with them and kind of end it that way. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. Derek, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being with us. Um, it's definitely going to resonate. Um, you're such a great advocate. Um, just reading your story and just talking to you today, um, you know, 
congratulations to you for for overcoming this. Um, you don't need my congratulations, but the way you've come through it is is fantastic. And um, I know someone will be listening to this and be appreciative of the fact that uh, you were able to share your story and share it so well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Harvard University's former goalie, Derek Shadig, talking about his own battles with mental health. His article, called Down But Not Out, can be found at thecrimson.com. Derek's resilience is one that you might think about sharing if you know somebody with mental health issues, whether a student or not. Our production crew is Justin Morosky, who is our producer and audio engineer. David DeRoche handled the audio mastering. Jillian Catalano is our social media coordinator. I'm Keith Woodward, and I'm your host. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the 10th second, and also follow the podcast account at QU Podcasts. And thanks again for joining us on this episode. <laughs>